So I grew up in the deep south. And yes, and when I say deep south, I grew up in the deep south where we fry everything and we put sweet tea in baby bottles. That's the deep south that I grew up in. And um, I love my, my heritage and, and, and much, much of my heritage I love. And um, I grew up in a pastor's home. And my dad, as a pastor, was often invited to do these things called revivals. Do you know what a revival is? Anybody ever heard of a revival? Yeah. Um, Revivals are where people yell back at the preacher, and uh, you spend like a week in church services. And some of you are like, that sounds awful. But, but we did that. Back, back in the day in the Deep South, we had these, these revivals. So I'd often go with my dad to these revivals, and I'd sit up on the front row and listen, and people would come every, you know, every night for a week or for the weekend or however long the revival was, and they would preach, and people would come to the altar and pray and all of that. And it was, it was really cool. I, I was just thinking, um, we have in our house this, this, um, this pew, you know, uh, it's, like a, it's like a bench kind of a seat that one of the churches gave my dad as payment for the, the revival, which I find hilarious. But we have it in our house today, and it's really uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's an antique. And, um, anyway, so revivals. So I grew up kind of around the revival uh, culture. And, um, and then we had in our house in those days, in my elementary days, one TV. You remember those days when there was one TV? In the house, we had one TV, we had three channels. On a good day, we had four channels, just depending on how you held the antenna and what you had in your other hand. And um, I remember the first time seeing Billy Graham and a revival on TV. And I remember thinking, that is not what my dad does. Like, <laughs> there are a lot of people listening to Billy Graham and, and watching what's taking place on that. And this week, uh, just reflecting on the life of Billy Graham and the impact he had on so many people, and I've read um, quite a bit, and I know there's some, some negative about some things that Billy Graham, one of the things I respect so much about Billy's life is he was able to, as he, as he got older, uh, realize some things that he had done earlier in his life that he, he, he asked forgiveness for. He went to some people he had wronged and asked for forgiveness, but he was always pointing people to the grace of God made known through Jesus Christ. And um, I was thinking about that this week, and I, I, I kind of flipped through and, and just read some things from, from Billy Graham. And is it okay if just to, to kick off today, and I promise this is going to lead somewhere, some of my favorite quotes from Billy Graham. Is it okay if we just spend a minute doing this? Yeah, so, such good quotes. Um, our, our culture does not read the Bible. Did you know that? In fact, many Christians don't read the Bible, but our culture in general, and, and Billy said this, and I think this is, this is a good reminder for us, that we are the Bibles the world is reading. Like when people want to see God, they often look to those who claim to represent God, which is the church and Christians. And Billy had this idea, this, this thought, that we're the ones representing God in the world, so be careful how you walk out your life in every aspect of your life. Uh, here's another one. The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. That's a good statement. That God's will will never lead you to a place that God won't also sustain you by his grace and his love. Isn't that a good reminder for us today? Oh. Uh, next one. The cross shows us the seriousness of our sin, but also the immeasurable love of God. You see the tension in that? Like the seriousness of of the brokenness that we all share, the sin that we have, uh, but, but also the immeasurable love of God kind of meets at the cross. 
Um, this next one, I, I hope my life can over time represent this more and more, that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and it's my job to love. It's our job as followers of Jesus to love to the best of our ability. And um, Billy, throughout his life, was asked many times uh, about getting into politics or some things that he, he thought about political matters. And earlier in his life, he probably said some things he wished he wouldn't have said. And later in his life, he just said, that's not my call. My purpose in life is to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and to declare the love and grace that God has for all people, regardless of where they are. And uh, I think this is just a great reminder that the Holy Spirit convicts. God is the one who judges, but it's our job just to love people to the best of our ability. And then this final one will kind of lead into where I think we can go today. Um, Being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. And I'm so thankful that Billy said this because the, um, the revival uh, culture in many ways was about getting people to come to an altar and, and pray a prayer. But for Billy, that was not the end point. Like coming to an altar and just saying a prayer, it was important, but that wasn't the end goal because being a Christian is about a daily process whereby we grow to be more and more like Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, and... Um, this, this daily choice uh, that we have to follow Jesus is, is what it means to be a Christian, to every single day die to ourself and find life in him, which is a hard thing, isn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. It's difficult to die to ourself and, and find life in God. Some of us don't even know where to begin with that. So we're, we're, we're in this series called The Good News According to John, and uh, we're, we're looking at the stories that, that John records for us in the gospel. That, that he wrote. So it's the fourth book in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all four of these record the stories of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. And they're focused on, on particular things. And John, uh, he wants us to see in Christ, in Jesus, he wants us to see a picture of God. And so kind of bottom line for the whole series, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. Look at the stories that we have of Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, his character, get to know Jesus. Jesus is the one where God dwells, and, and, and we find a, a human picture of God by looking at Jesus himself. Um, some of my best friends in, in school, my school days, uh, were the Goodsons, and Chris and Dan Goodson were like best friends of mine, and I spent as much time as I could at their house uh, they had a great house on a golf course, and it just was awesome, and so I always wanted to be over there instead of my house. Do you have friends like that when you were growing up? You were like, I want to be at that person's house. And one of the things about the Goodsons that, that was awesome, uh, every Friday night as a family, they went to a pizza place. It was their Friday night tradition. They went to the pizza place at the River Chase Galleria. Now, what made this pizza place awesome was not the pizza, but across the hall from the pizza was an arcade. Now, I know many of you young people don't know what an arcade is, but it's this place where you actually have to go to play video games. Like, we didn't have things on our phones. We went to this arcade. Now, when I went to the pizza place with my parents, they didn't have the money to give me uh, to go play video games. But when I went with the Goodsons, I got like a $20 bill, which was huge. And so every Friday night, if I could, hey, can I go to the Goodsons? Did they invite you? No? But I'm sure they want me around. It was that kind of a thing. Well, the, the Goodsons, just such a great family. They started coming to church a little bit every now and then. And uh, through my elementary and, and middle school days, Mike Goodson, the, the dad, got sicker 
and sicker, and he had multiple bypass surgeries on his heart. Until one day in our high school years, uh, the doctor, I, I remember my dad telling me this, the doctor told Mike, I will not do another heart surgery on you. And, and Mike was like, why not? And he said, I won't do it unless you will quit smoking. Because smoking is just going to kill you, and we're just prolonging. Your heart just can't do it. And so Mike had this, this hugely important decision to make. His kids were in high school, future ahead of him, and he had to decide, could he, could he die to something in his life in order to find a life that could be better in the future? Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, Jesus, back to Jesus. I'll come back to the story, don't worry. Um, back, back to Jesus. Uh, Jesus was, was kind of teaching. His disciples were following him. And there's this story that John records in chapter 5. And you'll read this this week in our, in our reading plan. Uh, chapter 5, Jesus walks into town and there's this man who's been, who, uh, he hasn't been able to walk for like 30 or 40 years. He's laying next to this pool and he's hoping that if he can get into the pool at the right time that he'll be healed. And Jesus comes up to this man and he asks him this question. And I think this is a profound question for all of us. You know what he says to this man? It sounds really rude. Do you want to be well? Now, doesn't that sound like a rude question to ask somebody who's laying, who hasn't been able to walk for years? Well, of course he wants to be well. Why would he not want to be well? He's next to the pool because he wants to get in at the right time so that he'll be healed. Jesus, why would you ask such a question? And I've come to find through life, as many of you have, that sometimes we get so comfortable with our brokenness that we have no desire to be made whole again. You ever, have you ever found that to be true in your life? That you're so comfortable with, with the brokenness and the pain that you're living in that any, any thought of, of wholeness or healing or, and I'm not talking physically, I mean like emotionally, spiritually, that any thought of, of moving towards wholeness just feels like too much work. It's, it's just too much for me. And I think I'm just okay right here. Have you ever thought that? You know, God loves me just the way I am. I don't want to go to the work of moving to a place of wholeness. Well, Jesus, you know, asked this man the question, do you want to be well? And yes, he wants to be well. And so Jesus gives him wholeness. He heals him, which, which John uh, again and again wants us to see that Jesus is the source of all life. If you miss everything else this morning, don't miss this. Jesus is the source of real life. Like, it, it, it doesn't exist outside of Christ. Like, all these ideas of life are there, but, but Jesus is the source of life. Now, uh, it was the Passover time, and Passover was one of those big festivals for the Jewish people. It's where they celebrated God leading the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, into their own land, the promised land. Uh, let's see if you remember this uh, from years ago. Uh, Moses said to Pharaoh, let my... Some of you were in Sunday school when you were younger with me. It's awesome. Others of you are like, this is a cult that I've walked into <laughs> on Sunday morning. Um, yeah, that, that story of, of God leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt into their, their own land. And it represented life for them, that God was giving them out of their brokenness, out of their slavery. He was giving them life. 
And so it's this season that Jesus uh, encounters this man, and then we find him at this, this hillside, and there are thousands of people who are there listening to Jesus teach. It's like a revival. And the disciples come up to Jesus, and they're like, hey, it's almost dinner time. We need to send the people home so they can have something to eat. And, and Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? The disciples are like, us, feed them. They're like, man, my MasterCard is maxed out. I just, that would, it's just too much money. We don't have the money to buy food for these, these people, and they need food. They're going to be hungry if we don't give them something to eat. And finally, um, a couple of the disciples bring this, this young boy, and they say, there is this young boy here. And he has five loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this size of crowd? And again, John wants us to see this, the miraculous, that when we come to God, even with small amounts, he can do more than we could ever imagine on our own. And he does it physically here. Now, I realize we read this story and we think, that, that couldn't really happen. Like many of us have this skepticism of there is no possible way that Jesus took five loaves of bread, unless they were like five loaves of bread, and two fish, and we, and we think to ourselves, there's just no possible way that this happened. And it's this, it's this like step of faith to believe that God can do more than we could ever imagine with the little that we bring him. And, and that's, that's one of the, the truths that we find, that, that, that God not only wants to give us life, but he wants to bring life to others through the little bit we have to offer. Now listen, all of us in this room, every single person in this room, you have something that God wants to use to bring life to someone else out there. Did you know that? Like that there's something in you. And usually it's the, the brokenness and pain of your past that God wants to transform and then bring life to someone else. It's why one of the earliest followers of Jesus, he said, it's in my weakness that God becomes strong. It's when I'm at my lowest point. It's when I can't figure it out. That is the point at which then God can be strong. Well, it's this, this concept that when we bring God the little bit that we have, he transforms it. And so the question becomes, will we offer it for the good of the world? Will you offer whatever it is that you have, even your brokenness, for God to bring life to the world around us. Listen, that's why we exist as a church. Like, we are not the end of the church. And the only reason, like, we sit in these seats is because people in the past brought the little bit that they had and offered it to God. And I'm not talking about money right now. They brought their lives. They sacrificed so that others would come to know. And listen, I know it, it's, it's kind of common right now to beat up culture and look around and say, look how bad, look how bad, look how bad. Look at, you know what the answer to that is? For us to be the church. For us to be the good that we want to see all around us. For us to bring our little so that God could do much with it. Okay, now I'm preaching. Like in a revival, somebody would say something back to the people. I mean, you guys are making me work this morning. So, so Jesus does this deal where, where all these people gather and they eat everything that they want and then there's some leftover, which that's how God tends to work. There's always leftovers. And, uh, and then Jesus continues on 
And the religious leaders are just mad at him. They, they don't believe him. They've got all these thoughts that he's leading people the wrong direction. And then he makes this big, bold statement. And it's statements like this that got Jesus killed in the end. He says this, I am the bread of life. And some of you are wondering, how could a statement like that get Jesus killed? Well, these are the kind of statements that made people feel like Jesus was blasphemous. In other words, that made people think that Jesus was not representing God correctly because he was claiming in this I am statement that he was equal with God and that he was actually the source of all life and that if you come to him, you'll actually never be hungry again. I am the bread of life, Jesus said just after feeding 5,000 people plus with five loaves of bread and two fish. And then I begin to wonder, like, in life, like, where do I go for bread? And I don't mean, like, bread, because in and out Chelsea's, whatever, but, like, like, where do I go to find life? Where do you go to find life? And... Um, I find again and again and again, the places I normally go leave me wanting more. Like sometimes it's, I want people to like me, and so I, I need to get the right clothes, and I need to look the right way, and if I can just, you know, get people to like me, then that will be enough. Like if, if people like me, that will be enough, but it's never enough, because somebody's going to email me today about something that I said, and it tears me down. And if I look for life in what other people think about me, I will never find life. And the same is true for you. If, if you're only looking for life in what other people say about you, you'll never find life that is truly life. Some of us, uh, for, for me at times, I, I've looked for life in what I do. And if I can just be successful, if, if I can just be in a place where where everybody looks at me as being successful as a pastor, then I'll be fulfilled. But I always find that it's never enough. You, you know the definition of enough. We talked about this last week. The definition of enough is just a little bit more. Like it's never enough. It's always just a little bit more. There's always someone bigger or faster. There's always somebody better, more successful. And many people in this room, you've looked for life in what you do. And you can't figure out why it's never enough. And students in the room, it's a huge tendency to look for life in the people around you or the experiences you have in high school or college, and it will never be enough. Our, our connectivity is at an all-time high, and so is our depression. Why is our depression at an all-time high? Because it's never enough. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, if, if, if you find life in me, you'll never be hungry again. The, um, the Pharisees of his day, the religious people, uh, maybe crowds like, like us, um, they looked for life in Scripture, in the Bible. I'm going to say something a little scandalous right now. Uh, that woke some of you up. Um, we will never find life in the Bible. 
we find life in who the Bible points to. We find life in Jesus. We will never find life in the church. We find life in who the church leads us to. Are you with me? Scandalous. <laughs> Jesus said, you search the scriptures. And he says this right after the statement. And some of you are wondering, like, why I don't put the little references up here because you want to, like, underline it in your Bible. It's in your reading this week. Do your reading. Read your stinking Bible, and you'll find, <laughs> you'll find it. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to find life. You'll never find life in following all the rules. You'll never find life in doing all the right things. You'll only find life in Jesus. Hmm. I love that Billy Graham continued to point people to Jesus his whole life. You can't find life in Billy Graham. Some, some people every now and then say, Billy Graham saved my life. Billy Graham didn't save your life. Billy Graham pointed you to the one that saved your life, and that's Jesus. This church saved my life. Maybe this church was an instrument that, that God used, but Jesus is the one. If this church saved your life, you are going to be disappointed at some point. Jesus is the source of all life. Are you with me? Um, the... The band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in one last song, and, and we, or two songs maybe. Um, one of the things we do as a community every week as we kind of wrap up is we, we just try to give people space to respond to God. And for many, this is kind of a strange thing or a new thing. Um, we just know that God sometimes works in our hearts and our minds, and we want to give people space to do something with that. So there's this cross here. And maybe you want to come and write a note or a prayer request or something and just put it up on the cross. And, and I want you to know that when you, when you come to this cross, it's the place where you find the immeasurable love of God. It's the place where you find the immeasurable love of God, where it meets your greatest pains and your greatest failures. And sometimes people have trouble walking to the front because people, you know, they, they think, oh, I wonder what someone's thinking about me. No, no, no. We all need to be right here at the cross because it's where God's greatest love meets us. Uh, there are candles in the back of the room, and light always represents God's presence. And so maybe today you walked in, just feel totally disconnected from God, and I would encourage you to go light a candle. And as you light that candle, say, God, I pray that your presence would, would enter back into my life or be around me. So the candles are available. Uh, each of the corners and in the back of the room, there's, there's a table with communion on it. And maybe today your response is to take communion. This, this physical reminder, uh, the bread, which represents Jesus' body, broken, the cup that represents Jesus' blood, which has been poured out for the sins of all the world, and maybe you just want to take that and remember this overwhelming love of God made known through Jesus. And then in the back of the room, the far back of the cave, um, there's a prayer team that will hang out right there. And maybe today you just need someone to pray over you. And you don't have to tell them exactly what, but maybe you just want to say, hey, will you pray for me? My name is Matt. And they'll just say a prayer over you. So we want to give you space. You can stay where you are and sing. You can sit and just think. Um, we just want to give you some space to do whatever you need to do to respond to God's presence. Let's stand as we begin, and then 
I'll say a prayer and then just feel the freedom to move around the room. God, you, uh, you're a good God and you sent Jesus uh, and he willingly entered into this world to give us a perfect picture of who you are, a perfect picture of love and grace, mercy and peace. And, and God, many of us search for life all around us. I pray that you would remind us this morning that life can only be found in Christ. God, you are worthy of everything that we have this morning, and uh, we give you our voices and our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name. So I was in college, and uh, I got that phone call from my dad uh, that Mike didn't make it through that, that next heart attack. I remember coming home to Birmingham and uh, did this memorial at, at our high school because Mike had had such an impact on the kids there and the sports there and it was packed with people. And in my young mind, I thought, why couldn't he just quit smoking? And I realized that they're just powerful things that have a hold on us. Sometimes it's not just as easy as we make it sound. And I know following Jesus is not just as easy as we make it sound. It's a daily decision that we make. Every day we get up with this, this, this choice in front of us. Will I run after life here or will I find life in Christ? Every single day you have a choice to make. And making a decision one time at an altar in a service like this is a great thing to do. Walking that out day by day, that's the Christian life. And that's what brings life to the world in Christ's name, right? So this week, may you find life in Jesus above all else. May you pursue him and find that he's actually pursuing you. And may you find that nothing can separate you from the love that is known in Christ Jesus. That whether you're at the highest height or the lowest low of your life, the angels of heaven, the demons of hell cannot keep you away from the love that is known in Christ Jesus. Hell itself, heaven itself, nothing can separate you from the love that is known in Christ Jesus. Pursue that Jesus this week and find that he is the bread of life and that when you find life in him, you will hunger no more. Amen. Have a great week this week. We'll see you next Sunday.